0: Welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Mike. And in this episode, we're reviewing Double Jeopardy! Starring Ashley Judd, Tommy Lee Jones, Bruce Greenwood, Annabeth Gish, and Roma Mafia. Directed by Bruce Beresford, released in 1999 on a $70 million budget grossed $177 million plus at the box office. So back when they would give $70 million to adult dramas, you know, that's what what a different time it was, (laughs) Mike, first off, welcome back to film strip again, I have a frequent guest and a longtime friend of the show. Tell folks about your fine selection of podcasts and all the great stuff you're doing out there on action for everyone and the Dana Buckler show.
1: Yeah, so the best place to find me now is Action for Everyone. Uh, For those who don't know, every week I'm joined by uh, filmmaker Liam O'Donnell and film uh, critic historian all around brilliant human being, Vice Victus. Uh, And we kind of... It's a loose chat. We don't really cover a single movie. We sort of go through the week in action movie news and we talk about what new action movies have come out that we've seen. So at the time we're recording our most recent episode, we talked about the Netflix Wu Assassins movie, Fistful of Vengeance, as well as we covered uh, Reacher and Peacemaker. And we just kind of shoot the breeze. It's a lot of fun because since Liam's a filmmaker, we get a lot of sort of inside knowledge inside baseball stuff and vice is just uh, again, genius and also has the heartiest laugh that you've ever heard from, from anybody. It feels like a warm blanket. (laughs) Um, so, uh, (laughs) Under that, also, while it's on hiatus, it is coming back at some point, is my other show, uh, Adkins Undisputed, where I'm covering the films of Scott Adkins. Uh, And then Dana and I, we haven't been working too much lately just because we're busy, Uh, but I was on his show earlier this year, and I'm sure I'll be back on again at some point. Uh, As always, I love Dana and can't. Can't sing his praises highly enough. I'm not doing it. I don't know you, Jay, if it's not for Dana. So I obviously cannot sing his praises highly enough.
0: That's true. Dana is good people and a long, long time friend of film strip and even back to the art of slaying days. So, well, Mike, we brought you on for a specific reason for this one because a lot of people do know based on your Twitter handle, Hibachi Justice, which if they want to know the secret to that, that's buried somewhere in the Dana Buckler archives. But The justice part is the key part because you are a lawyering person in uh, real life. And I have for a long time begged to have you on film strip to do a law film of some And And I promised you it wouldn't be a Grisham one, though I've run many of them by you. And you came up with this, but then you tweeted out there that this movie, quote, makes you grind your teeth at night. So uh, please explain why you brought Double Jeopardy to the list, because I have a story behind this one.
1: Well, so we were talking, and, and you wanted to – to you did mention you kind of wanted one that I could uh, – not not slam, but sort of pick apart and talk about. And and I mentioned that, you know, you mentioned Grisham and I'd already done a really deep dive on a time to kill with Dana and I just really wasn't looking forward to doing a Grisham again. And so I kind of brought this one up because this one, while it doesn't have nearly as much to, to kind of attack and pick apart, it so fundamentally misunderstands the entire legal concept <laughs> under which it takes its name that, that it, it it's one that just has to be talked about. It just, it, I, I really can't believe this movie made it past the script stage, um, you know, in terms of, of this and, and I'm not going to be super, I'm not going to be like super negative on it other than when we kind of talk about the legal stuff in this one. Um, but that, that it, That's what makes me grind my teeth at night, hearing somebody try and explain Double Jeopardy in this movie. I just I wake up. Uh, in a cold sweat I write in my journal you know I'm able to sleep still the dreams are coming you know I just so
0: well we I appreciate you taking this one for the team here because I knew it would be it would be tough and I'll, I'll join you in that too you know we have a lot of fun picking stuff stripping things apart here on film strip but it's hard to make a movie we know people that have best of intentions but sometimes those things go awry and that's where the fun comes in talking about these things and well I have a very specific memory of seeing this but I'm going to hold that because Lindsay I want to know your background with Double Jeopardy.
2: I've never seen it. I saw it for the first time yesterday, which is surprising considering the number of lawyering films. My dad had me watch growing up because he was pretty convinced that that is what I needed to be. <laughs> 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 he still is one of those parents. that's like, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm doing well. I'm living my best life, but he's like, I don't know. I still think you would have made a great attorney. <laughs>
0: Have you ever played an attorney in all your your acting career? I'm sure you've done it at least sometimes.
2: You know what? One time in fourth grade, I was an attorney to Mr. Butts, the cigarette, (laughs) and we had a class class trial on whether or not Mr. Butts was responsible for emphysema. (laughs) So there's my story. I lost, but I feel like I lost because of you know, pandering to the jury. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other story. (laughs) As luck had it, it was shorter than some of the other films that we've had recently. So uh, we were able to crank it out last night.
0: This is true. Well, I've, I've been teasing it for five minutes now. I saw this opening weekend in theaters. I was supposed to go on a date, but the girlfriend at the time had broken up with me. And I was so like, well, whatever, damn it! I'm still going to see this because it looks awesome. Because at that point in life, you got to know where I was, right out of college, heading into grad school. Ashley Judd was at her like apex of becoming a star, and so I was enamored with just anything she did. And then you threw in the guy who. I will always refer to as Dennis Wilson from the TV movie, Bruce Greenwood. You also had my, um, you know, growing up crush, Annabeth Gish from uh, hiding out. And you had the other hook that always got me in a theater, always got my eyes on something. And will to this day, get it legal thriller, murder mystery. I'm always an, an easy sucker for those. And I love those. It's why I watch lifetime movies still to this day. <laughs> um, Ron and I have even done a few of those through the years and talked about them. I I love them. I don't care how trashy they are. I don't care how ridiculous they are. I get lost in this stuff. Um, And I find it fascinating because I'm not a lawyer. I've never played one. I've known a few uh, in my day. And it's always fun to get around like real, like when I say the real ones and ask them questions like, so how does that exactly work? And I'll never forget asking my friend, Clay, uh, who is a tax attorney. So I really should have asked him more about the firm. But I asked him about this after it was over. I said, is that how that works? (laughs) And in one flat tone he's like no not at all (laughs) And (laughs) and i said well okay either way it was a decent premise." so that's what got me out to to the theaters a little bit of heartbreak and a crush on ashley judd but i was game because tommy lee jones too at that point i i have always liked him um the very first film memory i have is seeing Coal Miner's daughter from the back of my parents' Ford LTD station wagon on a drive through a theater. Um, and I remember him in that, and I've seen him in so many things since. And anytime Tommy Lee Jones gets cast as the kind of cranky old man, I'm there. Um, and he sort of made a 40-year career out of doing that. I mean, really did, and this is post fugitive and U.S. Marshals and all that action, and, and you know Batman Forever and all that kind of stuff too. And so I, I was always about you know let me go see Tommy Lee Jones, Men in Black. I should mention that one too because uh, that was actually good. And you know I, I wanted to, I wanted to see this. So I was down, I was game for this uh, when it happened. But it has been years years since I revisited this one. I think I owned it on VHS at one time. Luckily the local library through the hoopla app, which I would highly recommend kids uh, had this one streaming. So I went right to it and, uh, and got to watch it again. And I had forgotten so much of this movie, but um, I never bothered to dig through the trivia bin on this one or anything like that. The only thing I'll nugget out of that, that just blows my mind is that Jodie Foster was in this movie. Until she got pregnant and moved on to something else, and I was like, "That's a very different movie of Jodie Foster's in this freaking movie, y'all." Like, that's wow. How did we get from that to that? Like, that's I, I got questions. Especially Are you because
2: playing Libby is that? Yeah, who she was, was going to Libby. be Libby.
0: Yeah, she was going to be Libby.
2: I could see it, but you're right, different movie, very different.
1: Yeah, especially because the only real fun. I, I find in this is how like sleazy it is. And yeah. it's definitely not going to be that with Jody <laughs> Foster in it, right? It's going right. to have a much, much higher air of prestige. And, and I think that doesn't work nearly as well as this kind of being a grimy, you know, high budget exploitation flick, essentially.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It, it would be more like the accused too, if she was in it, you know, which is a very like disturbing and powerful performance in film. Uh, but this movie goes in a, like again, like the completely other direction of it. So uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was blown away by that. There's lots of cast that went in and out of it, apparently. But when they when they settled on this, um, I, I do want to nugget that again, though. It's the idea of 70 million dollars on a movie like this. Maybe we just don't do that anymore, and I miss that. I wish we could get back to that. I think nowadays that that kind of money goes into limited series and TV productions and things like. I the, the latest thing that I, I'm I'm now fascinated with is this whole Elizabeth Holmes Theranos trial, and I know I'm way behind on all that. But Hulu's got an incredible looking limited series coming out on that. Had, and I'm like, oh, that's that's where these kind of movies get made now. It's, they they string them out to that. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and and yeah, and, and the streaming stuff like this, you could totally see this getting strung out to a TV show, right? You'd have like one episode dedicated entirely to the trial. You'd have, you know, like you you could you could see it. Um, but yeah, th- go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, absolutely, this movie moved really fast. One of the things I liked about it, but I can see it being a limited series and opening up all of those facets that we missed and just kind of had to skip over.
0: I was kind of blown away by how much they pack into it and we'll get into yeah. that. I guess now's the time to, to do the yield plot summary. So I will try to do this shout out to Ron. who's a little under the weather. We wrote this with him in mind. So I'm going to try to read this in my best Ron <laughs> snark. I don't know that I can do it, but we'll, we'll we'll see. So Libby Parsons played by Ashley Judd enjoys living the good life with her husband, Nick. Bruce Greenwood and their young son, Maddie in coastal Washington state. But after a weekend sailing cruise and with her and Nick goes awry, Libby wakes up to the coast guard, accusing her for murder because Nick's nowhere to be found. And she's holding the bloody knife tried and convicted of that murder. Libby leaves her son with her friend, Angela. She goes off to prison. Angela brings Maddie for a few visits, but when they stop, Libby tracks her down to San Francisco and calls her. And in the background, she hears evidence that Nick is indeed alive and knows that he has set her up for the insurance money before running off with their son and Angela. Unable to find help or anybody that really cares, Libby is befriended by a fellow inmate, Margaret, who tells Libby that once she gets out of prison, she can go kill Nick because they can't try her twice for the same crime. Note: the legal advice of this movie should not be followed by anyone under any circumstances ever. <laughs> So Libby does some of her time. She gets paroled after six years and is sent to a halfway house run by parole officer Travis Lehman. Lehman, who once himself was a a prestigious law professor, lost it all due to his alcohol addiction. And Libby escapes from Lehman's custody. But as we all know, Tommy Lee Jones doesn't care. And he's going to continue to go after her. Libby finds out Angela was killed in a natural gas explosion and thinks Nick is up to his old tricks again. She finally finds him in New Orleans, running a hotel under another alias. And She confronts him at a charity function, saying she only wants her son and agrees to, uh, he agrees to meet her later. However, this is all set up as Nick knocks Libby out and locks her in a coffin at the cemetery. Nick returns to his hotel to find Layman waiting to question him. And sure something is wrong about all this, Layman uncovers that Nick is indeed a con man. He intercepts Libby, who has freed herself from the tomb, and he goes back to the hotel to confront Nick. He does, and while Nick tries to bribe him, Layman records Nick saying that he killed Libby, thinking that he had in the cemetery fiasco. To his surprise, but no one else is, Libby emerges with a gun and some bad legal advice from the prison yard. So she learns where her son is, but before she can shoot him, Nick attacks. There's a fight, Layman gets shot in the shoulder, but Libby eventually gets the gun and you know kills Nick. Layman agrees to help Libby seek a pardon back in Washington, but first they stop off at the posh boarding school in Georgia to pick up her son and credits roll. And that's a lot that they jam into the hour and 40 plus minutes of this movie. Um, Wow, y'all. I I guess the, the way to start is, and the thing that I was blown away by with this movie is how our director introduces characters in sort of these short scene vignette things that kind of meld one into the other. We're sort of catching up with people's lives as they're happening. And I feel like I needed a, a an opening like last week on double jeopardy, you know, because I feel like I'm I'm coming into season two of, of Notch landing here or something.
2: Yeah. I think you absolutely know what type of person each character is when you meet them. And I got to give it to my Brian who called exactly what the spoilers were like immediately. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I bet that other woman killed him and now she's going to adopt the kid and like before anything happened." <laughs> I was like, "All right, if you if you get this right, I'll give you credit." And it went exactly as predicted. So, um I think I think it's how they're introduced led into that a lot and I agree with you, Jay.
1: It does move fast. I mean, that is one thing that it's got going for it. Because of that, we don't get a lot of what you could really consider any kind of character. I mean, Bruce Greenwood is just so unbelievably skeezy from minute one in this movie yeah, yeah. That, that there's no like tragedy to be felt here Uh, in terms of, of like it, it already starts off with you kind of feeling like Libby's sort of. Yeah. You didn't see this coming, Libby? Really? Like your husband's literally oozing sleeves. Like he leaves a slime trail everywhere he goes from minute one. Um, you know, but I mean, I guess when you're doing kind of a pot boiler like this, you know, it does deal in archetypes. It it does deal in caricatures because that's how they keep it so short and sweet. And so in that regard, you know, it actually does its job fairly efficiently. I, I can't complain about it too much as far as that goes.
2: This movie is nothing if not efficient. I will give it that.
0: Yeah, I I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were running way behind and they got people involved who were like, look, we, we got to move and we're going to, we're going to move on this fast. And the, the note I wrote down about Libby, I was like, well, she clearly loves sailing more than anything on the planet, except maybe her son, who she lays the worst emotional guilt trip on that you should do for a four-year-old. Like, who am I going to sail with? If you run and fall in love with somebody, I'm like, lady, shut the hell up. What are you that's doing? That's Weird,
2: right? right? I was like, that's a little,
0: <laughs> little scary there on the front end. But did y'all get, the sense that like there her and Nick's relationship, there wasn't a lot of there was a lot of like fire there, but there wasn't a lot of like companionship going on. Like it was very I don't know. Like I, I'm with you, Mike. I think she knew he was a sleaze bag, but she was there with the kid. She was like, well whatever, we have a good life. I don't I don't really care if he's a you know oozy kind of slick person because we get by with it, but I don't know, man. It was, it was a very
1: weird relationship when Bruce Greenwood's in sleaze mode. Like he, that's, that's the one thing I'll say, you know, we can kind of talk a little more about it as we go on. But the one thing in this movie is like, everybody's majorly on autopilot, except maybe Ashley Judd. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is dollar store, you know, dollar store fugitive in this. And, uh, and, uh, Bruce Greenwood could play these roles in his sleep. Um, there's, there's nobody, you know, Judd, Judd seems invested because this was, you know, one of her first major sort of starring roles. She's coming off a of time to kill uh, when she, when she signs to this and she seems invested, but everybody else is just sleepwalk not sleepwalking because they're not boring but they're definitely not uh, exactly stretching some uh, some new muscles doing this
0: I think I, I think they all know what kind of movie they're in and I will applaud actors who figured that out and they they let you in on the secret too early on like look y'all we know just just go with it just grab your popcorn and hang on because it's it's seasons two through five of Knott's nice Landing it's okay y'all like just just come with us you, you wanted to be here
2: yeah and I think Tommy Lee Jones embodies that because Tommy Lee Jones is Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. He's given the people what they want and that's Tommy Lee Jones.
0: Right. We'll talk about it when we get to it, but his last line does not feel like something that was written. It was more like, Oh my God, this is over. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of the way it comes off. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, there's lots of fun here to be had though, but even, even though it is cheesy, I love how we're introduced with people and like you get the MacGuffin of all MacGuffins. Anybody here a Kandinsky fan? I only know that artist at all. I'm sad to say because I saw this movie and I was like, well, that must be important. And I don't know who like the screenwriter who had like a love affair with Wassily Kandinsky. But man, they decided we're going to make that the uh, the thing that will unravel all of the the one arm man mystery of this movie.
2: I can't say I am, particularly. I mean, I, I guess I might be. I don't know. But this movie is the first 1st I've heard of Kandinsky.
1: I knew of him because I took humanities in high school and college, and that was just for whatever one of the reasons, one of the names that stuck with me. I mean, I couldn't – you could have put like five of his paintings up, and I wouldn't have been able to tell you that that he painted them. But the name I remember –
0: well, and I love that they do make a joke out of that. They're like, "No, it's not Picasso. It's it's you know, Bruce Greenwood talking this whole high horse about it. Like, no, it's better." And I'm like, "I feel you, man," because I will argue that Halloween Three is worth watching too. I'm there. I'm I hear you. You know, <laughs> so I mean, it's I, you you get you love what you love and you go with it. I, I but but I like that they they drop that, and I realize that again we're doing character motivation and character introduction by speed here I mean by NASCAR type speed but it works because again you know immediately who all these people are and I'm glad your brain caught it too because again I, Annabeth Gish go back to hiding out other things I, I've always thought she was like the the good girl next door, you know, even though she's played lots of different roles, but I immediately thought the same thing that your Brian dogman <laughs> is like, Oh yeah. Angel's in on it. Like it's clear. Like, that's yep. the other woman. Like, the, and it's just the look they give each other. Like then I didn't even notice it until this time, but her and Bruce Green would give each other a look when, Ashley Judd's Libby is is setting up that whole like oh well, can you watch the kid while we go out on this sailboat that my husband may or may not have the money to buy me or whatever but he's going to anyway and she just looks like of course I can of course you know he's so sinister but I, I I I wrote down the words teacher and friend in quotes I was like yeah like that never ends well in these kind of movies
2: yeah so innocent
0: so we go sailing. When you know where it takes me away to where wine, sex, and bloody knives always seem to get yeah.
2: me. Well, yeah, I was gonna say they have sex, so you know one of them's gonna die, allegedly but, in this case.
0: Yeah, and I had forgotten that the the sex scene goes on as long as it does. Not to dwell on something, you know, and be weird, but like I'm like, huh, that that goes on a lot longer than I remembered. I was like, that's there's a lot of like stuff happening in there. I guess they wanted to sell us that may, maybe they did have chemistry, even though they seem to hate each other.
2: When I saw that, I was like, I wonder if Ron would call this a gross sex scene.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it, I I'll say Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 still has a grosser scene than, than this, but uh- – I would agree. It's right up there. But yeah. So,
1: I do think it's fascinating though, again, not to dwell on weird period stuff, but when it started, I'm like, "Oh, that's 100% going to be a body double." And nope, it's Ashley Judd, which is, you know, not something you even in 1999, not something you typically expected to see your headliner in a 70 million dollar thriller, especially a headliner that at that point had already established a fair bit of cloud. I think she, you know, she'd already gotten her award recognition for that, mm-hmm. the indie movie that she did and stuff. So it was a little, I was a little surprised. I was like, that's not something that you're going to see today. That's for sure.
0: No, definitely. I, I didn't expect that either. And then to wake up with the frigging horror movie that has happened on that <laughs> yeah. boat i just wanted because they never explain it and i, I kind of feel like it's probably a dropped scene somewhere but i'm like what pig did nick have in the hold of that boat <laughs> and then he slaughtered on the, the the top of it because that's a lot of blood y'all like it's wow somebody's got an iron deficiency
2: Maybe he had blood taken, you know, like he donated blood and just kept the bag.
0: He gong-girled it. And that's what you're saying? Yeah. Spoiler alert. But yeah. So, yeah, I mean, really, like that. that well, I, yeah, another movie I started watching this week. <laughs> see, they all lead to each other. I know. It is jarring to see how disoriented you know she is and i mean how would you not be right and of course she picks up the knife and i'm like oh that don't pick up the murder weapon right like she's i yelled that
2: yeah yeah it's like going up the stairs when there's an axe murderer at your front door it doesn't make sense don't pick up the knife right i but but there were not uh murder podcasts and documentaries Uh, not a ton out at the time so maybe she didn't know
0: yeah 48 hours was new
1: yeah. Anytime I hear somebody say it, it makes no sense, it just, I always immediately go to knives out now.
0: But it compels me, though. <laughs> <laughs> makes no damn sense. It I love that me, though. movie
1: though
0: <laughs> I will give this movie credit for taking time to do these next things. It doesn't mean fast forward, but we get the Coast Guard coming up and they try to explain to her, like, it was real windy. It's 50 degrees in the water. What's going on? You know, like, there, you can tell she knows all these people. So they're trying to be like, Eh, you wouldn't really do this would you but maybe you did and when they come to like arrest her the sheriff and and her lawyer friend or whatever like that's a i don't know a lesser movie would not take the time to have that moment in it and so I'll, i'll praise the movie for for this it is a sleazy thriller or whatever but it has these sort of quiet moments where she's like don't put handcuffs on me in front of my kid you know like i'll go with you like all that stuff i i appreciated that and i'm kind of blown away that like we get the whole courtroom action like did they bother to go with that at all Um, i did not expect this movie to do that i thought we would just sort of forward and um you know she's in prison or whatever but uh i i guess i i the, the shorthand of it. But I got questions, Mike, and this is where, this is where your expertise comes in. That line of questioning by the prosecutor, you serious Clark? Like, is that, that, I know that's not how that goes down, but Holy cow. How did the judge not rule for that objection? Yeah,
1: it, 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 you know, I, I barely honestly even remember that because I just, I immediately, as soon as the prosecutor started questioning, I, I I will fully admit I kind of tuned out because I'm like I I know where this is like like the only way I'm gonna finish this movie is if I just kind of close my eyes and get through this courtroom scene you know you you mentioned Jay you're you're surprised they put it in there I honestly think the movie would have been better if they hadn't because it was so everything about it was so bad that why bother like because it doesn't help we all that ultimately matters is that she loses and she's convicted. Right. And so we don't really need to necessarily see it. Uh, He's set up the perfect crime here basically because she's got means motive. You know, they established she's got means motive and opportunity. And so Mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, there's no body. I mean, this is not a slam dunk murder trial by any means, but it's certainly not one that would be, hard for a prosecution to win. So then why are we going to waste a bunch of time on, you know, questions that are going to get objections and, and stuff like that all so that, and then you get the other part where Libby just starts, she's on the stand and she's just going and she's, I didn't kill my husband and all this stuff. And then like, no, you don't, you don't get to do that. We don't just let witnesses talk. That's not really how this whole process works. (laughs) Um, you know, and in fact her attorney should have been standing up going, get get, to stop. Um, you know, uh, so it, yeah, I mean, it is, it is what it is. It's not the worst I've seen, but it's certainly way, way down there in terms of actual legal accuracy. And, and I don't, think the scene was actually that dramatically compelling either Um, because we're already filling for Libby and that doesn't really help us. Uh, It just, again, makes everybody look kind of dumb for not immediately thinking that maybe this was a setup, you know? So,
0: well, I agree with you too. They already have that extra scene when they're interrogating her and her lawyer lays out like, here's the case in front of you. Like, that's all we needed to know is that there's, you know, you had $2 million in life insurance. No, I wasn't aware of that or, Maybe I knew that. I don't know. I just signed some paper. You know, like you lay out all of that information. You don't need the court scene. You could just have her be pulled out, and you do the the flash mob with the you know when when photographers took real pictures and stuff. That wasn't all digital. Like it's like woman kills her husband. Like you could do that. You know, little little montage because this movie's full of those anyway. So why not do that there and cut down that courtroom scene? The only thing I could think of is that they must have just really liked what they were getting out of that. But even I know as a layperson, like that's not, that's not remotely how any of that works. Like, it's ridiculous. It's not even like fun though. Like, you know, even like goofy courtroom scenes like, you know, that aren't accurate either, at least are compelling. That wasn't even that interesting to watch.
2: Inaccuracy notwithstanding the scripting of it and the delivery of the script was not good. It just fell short, especially for the prosecutor. I couldn't figure out if it was bad writing or bad acting and either way they're writing and they're acting and getting paid for it and not me. So I say that with, (laughs) with the utmost respect of the people who, you know, had to do it, but it just, it didn't, it didn't hit right. It wasn't delivered well.
1: Well, and not to get too deep in the weeds, but jumping just slightly ahead, one of the other things that that really bothers me from an accuracy standpoint in this is she gets out of prison. She gets paroled in six years. OK, doing what you said, Jay, where we just he lays out the case for her and then we skip to it, mm-hmm. the, not to rewrite the movie, but it would have made more sense if after talking to her lawyer, she decides to take a plea to something like manslaughter because if she goes to trial, they're charging her with murder one. There's no question. You ain't getting paroled in six years. If you're convicted of murder one at trial, you're doing 25 to life and you're maybe getting paroled at 15 or 20 years. So like it, it it blows my mind that they, they went that route when it would have made more sense and, and actually would have kind of made it more compelling for us. If she's like, ah, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. I'm totally screwed here. I didn't do this, but I'm screwed. There's a third degree felony on the table. I can be out in five to six years and see my son again, or I can die in prison. And you know, if we're to believe her whole point for doing all of this is she loves her son so much, it would make perfect sense for her to take that deal and plead yes. and, and get out. And that's and then we cut out the whole courtroom scene and we get I think a more narratively compelling arc for her anyway.
0: You no, know, and I I agree with you completely. That's an excellent point. I hadn't thought about that, but I, I'm like, yeah, this should have totally pleaded her down because they've got her dead. price. <laughs> there's no. I mean, people talk about like oh, circumstantial. That's how every freaking case is, y'all. Like you build bricks, right? Like that's every lawyer I've known says, yeah, you you just build them a piece at a time. You know, you get the, the jury to believe uh, because you lead them where you want them to go, and it's. It's amazing to me that they bothered to put all this in there again, like I said, and but it was so completely unsatisfying. Like we didn't need it. Like Narratively, you could have got to the same place without having to drag us through the, the 10 minutes of this, because that's the, that's the funny part of it is um, she's going to wind up in prison no matter what. Yeah, and we, we literally go from her laying her head down on a table to waking up in the women's prison the next day. So it's, it's a flash forward. Um, but you know, of course she's going to leave uh, the kid with Angela because she still trusts Angela, uh, which nobody in the audience was at that point. I, I my I, Lindsay and I clearly turned on Angela quick. Did were, were you on her side of the art? Did you think, Oh no, no, she's, she's totally bad.
1: No, of course she was bad. I mean, first of all, again, that's just, it's the, it's the, uh, Siskel and Ebert, uh, Roger Ebert's, you know, conservation of uh, characters. Annabeth Gish is not a nobody. She's a, a fairly well-known actress. Uh, she's not going to be in this movie just to be in it for a couple of scenes to take this kid under under her wing, right? Like she's going to have a bigger role and a bigger narrative to play or you don't cast Annabeth Gish. Um, so no, I, I knew right away.
0: Yet they completely subvert that because she gets one more scene on a damn telephone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk about how mad I am that they would write her off off screen, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so we, we've got to go to prison now because this is what, uh this is what we do. And, yeah um Libby in prison uh it's not going well, gang <laughs> like it's, it's uh, to say it's uh she's having a rough time adjusting is putting it mildly uh but they gloss over so much of that i you know i think i'm I'm also watching this movie in a post orange is the new black world, you know where I've seen this narrative stretched out and worked out you know and and that's an incredible story in its own that it's based off of too, but I just feel like an I, I, I can't watch this movie and not realize, like, oh, I've seen this same thing happen fifty five thousand other times in other <laughs> movies, only to be capped by the fact that we get a friggin' training montage in a prison <laughs> somewhere in the middle of this. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to the training montage. But I don't know. I, her in prison seems like I like we're just going to stick Ashley Judd in some corners and make her feel like she's really out of place because she is really out of place. But then all of a sudden, like she seems to acclimate just overnight. It's weird.
2: I think the timeline of this is a little hard to follow sometimes. So I don't know if she necessarily acclimated overnight. I think it was over the course of a few months, but the movie doesn't do a great job making that clear. Um, But that being said, I really liked her bunk mates. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that she, I don't think she realized this, uh, not at, certainly not at the time, but I think the fact that she killed her husband gave her a little more clout in uh, that women's prison than maybe some of the other crimes that women were there for. And I do love that line that was like, she was like, I didn't do it. And or something like that. And her bunkmate was like, he probably deserved it.
0: I know mine did, yeah. Which I, yeah, I love yeah, yeah, that. That's I was cool like, that was good. yeah. So when that they was said when I was that,
2: like I'm going to like this prison scene, but
1: when they said that, did anybody else immediately go to? He had it coming from Chicago. Yes, I exactly. yeah, thought <laughs> Yes,
0: <laughs> thank you. Yes, I I so had glad. that flash in my head. I was like, yes. <laughs> we are
2: in good company here gentlemen
0: yes I, yeah we are all I think we're all marked for that one so uh, and you can again once again go back in the archives you can hear me review that movie uh, which uh, I have I, I love that musical though but yes I had the same thought that was I was like, oh yes was, let's just get a, if we had the cell block tango like just queued, <laughs> like somewhere in the background if the musical cue had been there that would have been cute that would have been the kind of drop that like oh this movie should have done that but oh well I love her Her bunkmates though I, I love Rom- mafia coming in here because she's always playing like just this this tough ass chick in any kind of movie she's in i think i know her best in terms of like lawyering kind of stuff mike i don't know if you remember she played michael douglas's lawyer in disclosure Um, and she has a great turn in that and it's a really fun actress anytime she's on the screen yeah I, i agree i i didn't
1: remember that until you just said it and then i'm like oh yeah she totally did that's right yeah,
0: it's it, she's fun to to see here, even though she's given a lot of short shrift because she's just in a couple of scenes. I mean, we we see Libby you know, not getting it together. She doesn't know what to do. And, you know, the sun comes to see her and the little ABC song, that was kind of sweet and sad. And, you know, I was like, oh man, we're pulling on the old heartstrings here. But then all of a sudden that just all cuts off and she can't find her. And I got to say, I'll I'll give Libby some credit here. And I'll say this again later in the movie. She's a good con artist herself. She knows how to like find out info. Like she, you know, if she would have taken that deal, like you said, Mike, she could have got out and been a good PI for somebody. She seemed to know what she was doing.
2: And she picked up on the internet real quick.
0: Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about the dude bro that helps her with the internet
2: a little, <laughs> bit, a
0: little bit. But yeah, no, I love her like her tricky phone work that she calls the school like, oh, I haven't gotten my summer check. You check my address. And they're just like, sure, let me read it for you. <laughs> I'm like, mm, yeah. Even in 1999, I, like I worked in an office. You didn't give out shit like that over the phone.
1: The other problem I have with that, and again, not to be the pedantic douche, but you know, that's kind of why you wanted me on here is calls from jail have to be made collect. Yeah. So like, you're not just calling, you don't get to just call people from jail, right? Like it's a collect call. They have to accept it. You get, you get a phone call that says this is, you know, San Quentin prison calling uh, prisoner so-and-so from San Quentin calling, do you accept the call? So like, sh- We've got these people at the school being like, "Oh, yeah, it's a prison. I'll just accept it." <laughs> oh, you want some personal information? Sure, that's fine. Here, have all of this. You know, like, right. and then like later, you know, jumping just slightly ahead, when she calls Angela, like again, Angela's like, "Oh, Libby's calling me. Apparently, let me just answer that, and then be surprised when she's pissed at me."
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I'm with you, but you know why they didn't know that? We hadn't heard serial yet. We hadn't heard that great intro of all the the calls coming in. So yeah, we didn't know that. So, but you're right. Yeah. I, I think I only knew that again because I had worked for, um, people that were in the justice system at, you know, different jobs and things like that through, through college. And so I was aware of that too. That like, Oh, you can't just, you know, randomly drop a dime in the, in the phone at the prison and roll, you know, called Casey Kasem and get a request in like, he's got to accept the call. <laughs> so it's, yeah, that, that is a little ridiculous, but I'm like, they got to find her some way to find her son. And I'm like, man, she has a lot of access to stuff that <laughs> I didn't know that you got. If you were a convicted felon, like felon, one, you know, <laughs> So like, isn't she like going to be in a special part of the prison or something? I I don't know enough about prisons, but I, I wouldn't think she had that much uh, run of the place. There's also, I don't know if y'all noticed or not. There's like not a single guard or warden in this prison. It seems to be run completely by the inmates uh, and they get along just fine. Like, it's amazing. Like, you do a prison movie. I at least one time got to see some asshole rattle the bars with a, with a stick. Like, come on, what are we doing?
2: I think they tried that. I mean, not well but they tried that with the bunk mates and they tried to bully her around a little bit and then she stole their hearts with how sad she was yeah i
0: guess like they they became like her Shawshank friends real fast and that's, yeah. what that, I, I needed a little bit more of that because again, we, we do that, but she does get that great call. And this is the last of Annabeth Gish we get to see. And I'm, I'm kind of pissed at this point because I wanted her to be more in this. Cause at this point, you know, Angela is not only involved, she's deeply involved in this. And I needed to like hear more about that. I needed a scene with her and Bruce Greenwood talking about what they were going to do next, you know? And I wonder if that's cut somewhere on the floor, but I, I just missed that because I feel like we just cut her out of the movie after this. You know, she gets written off.
2: For the sake of efficiency, I I guess.
0: Yeah, but she's like an integral part of the plot. That's the thing, you know. They 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 go from Washington State to San Francisco, and I don't know. Like, I I do think it's funny that like Libby did pick the perfect time to call when Nick's going to walk in and the kid's going to out like, oh hey dad, you know, like the kid wouldn't say like, mom, when are you going to come live with dad and Angela? The minute he picks up the phone (laughs) to talk to mom or if they just brainwash this poor kid, you know, forever. I don't know. It's the same kid from scene to scene and then he grows up to be the kid in Arlington Road later. But uh yeah, I I don't know. I I was just blown away by how fast all this is is blowing by us here.
2: It but- really did. I didn't feel the length at mm-hmm. all. I mean, before I knew it it was over. So
1: well, it's because you've got four movies in one, right? You've got yeah. sort of, you've got dollar store lifetime movie, then you get dollar store J- John Grisham thriller, then you get like <laughs> dollar store Caged Heat, and then finally we end with dollar store Fugitive. You know, and like, it, so it it you you can't fill the length because every twenty minutes you're getting a completely different movie, which is, on one hand, to the movie's benefit because if. You can't make, uh, you know, any one of these movies is bad. But if you're giving me four of them, I kind of have to, I kind of have to go along with the fact that I'm never, I'm never in one bad movie for longer than 20 minutes. So I just get to change it up.
2: That's a great way to put it.
0: (laughs) All that dollar store stuff, it made me think like, what if the Daily Double was a dollar store? (laughs) Double Jeopardy. Uh, since we're going to play with that so but we get our training montage again i'm blown away by this i'm like she's got to hulk up to like (laughs) realize what she's gonna do and then margaret dulls out what may be the worst advice ever so mike this this is why we brought you on to explain to us why double jeopardy doesn't work like this
1: hold on i gotta get my mouth guard in so i'm not grinding my teeth anymore (laughs) um (laughs) Okay. All right. So, legal 101 here. All right. Double jeopardy is a clause in the Constitution. It's in the 5th Amendment that basically says you cannot be tried for the same crime twice. With as with all things in the law, a bunch of exceptions, right? Uh, so for instance, but what it what it basically means, what it's really there to protect is, is if you go to trial and are found not guilty, we're out of luck. Like I, I, don't get to, I don't get to go find more evidence. And if I roll the dice and try you and I lose as, as a prosecutor, I don't get to go find more evidence and try you again. <clears throat> but that applies to a specific crime that occurs at a specific place, a specific time, a specific location, and under a specific jurisdiction. So it does not mean that if I kill you and fail and you convict me and I get out and then kill you again in a completely different state, you don't get to – that's an absurd interpretation of how Double Jeopardy worked. And it's the name of the friggin' movie. Like I cannot (laughs) – I mean, I I understand that the guys that wrote The Rock probably aren't legal experts. You know, Weisberg (laughs) and Coke who wrote this. True. Based on, you know, the way things work in The Rock, which is a movie I love. I should say, I adore The Rock. I'm not, but, but, um, this is so fundamentally ridiculous in terms of it's, I'm trying to think of even a good analogy. It, It would kind of be like saying, like calling your movie gravity and everybody is like walking on ceilings like you just don't like like that's not even a good analogy but like it this this just isn't double jeopardy they just they like found a term that they thought sounded cool for a movie and then sort of retroactively wrote a movie around it. And they're like, Oh shit, the movie we wrote around it doesn't actually, cause I look, I refuse to believe that with this many smart people making this movie, somebody somewhere in line didn't go, um, That ain't how fucking Double Jeopardy works. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like somebody somewhere (laughs) said that.
0: Somebody Jones went to fucking Harvard. Like (laughs) Yeah, like
1: (laughs) somebody somewhere said that. Like, well, like it's directed by Bruce Beresford, a traditionally really great director. He's not an idiot either like i know i know he's australian he doesn't understand american law but still i think he probably would have gotten you know might uh i'm not sure this is how this actually works here uh but <laughs> i just I, I this just feels to me like there's some producer somewhere on this who just went oh people aren't gonna care it's ashley judd and you know it's tommy lee jones it's that guy from the fugitive and and nobody's gonna give a shit about that kind of stuff you know and i literally I remember I did not see this in the theaters like you Jay, because I saw the trailer. And even at that point I hadn't gone to law school yet. This was the year before I started law school, but I had done undergrad pre-law stuff in that. And even at that point, like my, my, well, my teeth were grinding. Like I just, I'm sitting there in the theater, grinding my teeth down to nothing. And I, I didn't see it. Cause I'm like, there's no way this movie isn't going to piss me off. And, uh, <laughs> and i watched it when it came out on video and it pissed me off and i hadn't watched it until again until i watched it for you because i love you guys <laughs> and that is the kind of sacrifice i will make for film strip. um but then you no know, this is this is so i i just i do not understand how you hang the hook of your entire movie on this thing and it is so just not even remotely what double jeopardy is it's it's lazy it's ridiculous um it, it to me it overshadows what other joy there there can be kind of pulled from this movie and there 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 can be some as we've talked a little bit and we'll talk more about it but it it just overshadows all of that and when we get to the end of the movie I'm going to get even more pissed off about it, but I'll save that for when we get to the end of the
0: movie. No, th- th- and thank you for do- walking us through that because I knew you would be able to do so.
2: I didn't talk to a single attorney friend, but when it was brought up and she told her about it in prison, I was like, um, that, I don't, I don't think that's correct. Like there's definitely, you would definitely lose that case. You yeah. would get sent back to jail for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Prison. Prison. Yeah. Which I, is different from jail, which we learned from the movie.
0: Yeah. There's going to be lots of laws broken here in, in a little bit, but I, I do, I did get a, a good laugh at it. Cause I started thinking to myself, okay. So they, they came up with this, they Googled a term, looked one up in a dictionary, or whatever. And they went with this thing. And so what else could they have called this movie to make it work? And I was like, well, if it was on Lifetime, it would be like, she demanded justice or, you know, he thought he got away or, you know, something like that. I was like, well, they weren't going to slap that on a $70 million flick. So I don't know what else they could have called this, but I don't know. like, But they could have gone with the sailing motif because they just dropped that like a hot rock after the first act. But I don't know. I, I can't come up with a better title for it, but it is a problem because – once you realize that like this woman's entire motivation completely changes for a minute. And it's a, it's a narrative problem in the movie because we're led to believe she's doing all of this. Why? Because of the kid. But now her her motivation is I'm going to kill him and get the kid. And I'm like, well, you, I don't think you can, you can't really be both of those things because that, that doesn't work as a character either. You don't get to do an evil thing and get the good thing too.
1: Well, and they double down on the stupidity because Margaret's a lawyer right. like because she says that there's a throwaway line where she says something like they disbar you if you kill your husband or something like that. So she is a lawyer, mm-hmm. which is like if she had just been – so there's this term. We call them jailhouse lawyers. They're these people that are that are long-time prison and jail folks, and they read a lot. They read a lot of law books and stuff like that, and they they give legal advice to – other inmates. The problem is, is they're not actually lawyers. And so 90% of the time, 97% of the time, the advice they're giving is akin to the advice that, that Margaret gives her here as far as misunderstanding double jeopardy. So why not just make her a jailhouse lawyer? Why actually establish that she was a real honest to God lawyer
0: (laughs) and just, you know, sort of, Piss on my profession, I guess. (laughs) I feel (laughs) feel the same way about every movie where the counselor sleeps with their patients. I'm just like, no, it's not what we do. Or somebody that works at a college doesn't know anything. I'm like, no, please, we're not all morons. You know, like I feel you. I I feel your pain. I'm with you too. I'm like, she didn't need to be a lawyer. She could have just been some smart lady that read some books right? Like that's, that would have been more believable at least because then at least the advice is coming from a bad place. Like, Oh, well, there's a reason. Well, where did you go to law school? Was it at night? Did you mail in the form? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm curious to know, but, uh, either way. Um, yeah, she's, she's going to get out. She's going to get her revenge. I will give, I will give the Margaret character this. She does a good job of coaching her up for the parole board scene. Um, I like cause, that scene. Because Ashley Jump is going to roll up in there like red from Shawshank Redemption and go, I don't really give a <laughs> yeah. shit. And that, I don't think that would have worked out. Uh, so she she did feed her the right lines, um, <laughs> which, but I, I can only imagine like, she knows that from her maybe her previous career, but also maybe she's helped other people get out of prison. But she's had to test that out with people that like it didn't work before, right? So there's people running around that yard going like, Don't be listening to that Margaret lady. Like, so <laughs> she'll tell you the wrong thing to say in front of the parole. But
1: <laughs> she board. told me what to say and I got fifteen more years. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she tested it on herself by accident. <laughs> I'm sure she had a parole hearing at some point and she bombed it. And uh, you know. Yeah. Just trying to be nice. I don't know.
0: <laughs> you already, you already alluded to this earlier, Mike. But there's no way she's getting parole out of six years for that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> let's. I'm let's so do- glad you brought this up. I had, I could not figure out how she only got six years.
1: Yeah, let's let's. Answered, but. Yeah, let's do the math on this. All right, it, she's convicted. So what we've got here is we've got a woman who allegedly took her husband out on a sailboat, signed a two million dollar life insurance policy like a month beforehand took her husband out on a sailboat didn't not only killed him but didn't like shoot him or anything brutally stabbed him and threw him over the side of the boat and then came back and lied about it when she got back like that that's in in texas She's not, you know, not only is she not getting parole in six years, she's going to the the, the gas chamber in six years. Right. Like, like, I mean, that's, you know, it, it, this is just the, there's no way somebody that commits a crime like that. And that's one of the things where, Jay, you mentioned it's a horror scene earlier. Right. That's another thing that they could have done. If they'd actually wanted to make a good movie, done a little better, has made it a little more ambiguous about how he died, so that we can maybe believe that she only gets six years. But that that amount of blood, that brutal of a murder, are you kidding me? That that's a prosecutor's making a career out of prosecuting that lady. Like, yes. like they are literally They're they're That's, that's the type of case that sets you up to run for DA. You're not getting, that person's not getting paroled in six years. That person's dying in prison.
0: Right. Like I, I was blown away by just that, that nugget. I'm like, like, I know Ashley Judd looks young, so you can't age her up or whatever, but like, that seems light for that because she, Catherine Tremel, that dude, like, this is a basic instinct murder. Like, she, for all they know, she was screwing him and stabbed him at the same time, you know, for the way that everything's done. I'm like, how did, yeah, that, Either that, or again, there's that cut scene where the the judge admonishes that prosecutor for that horrendous line of questioning and says, "You better plea this shit down because that's not going to play in my courtroom, lady." Uh, but uh, you know, I, I guess that got left on the the you know fifth season of Law and Order or whatever. But yeah, it's 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 horrendous uh, how that goes. But we've got to get her to the thing because we've now had four movies in one. Well, we're about to get to the 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 fourth one, which is Fugitive Two. Her story, and, and that's what that's what the rest of this movie is. And I, I, I gotta say, Tommy Lee Jones, maybe you know, phoning in the performance, as in, I can know how to play this with my eyes closed, I can do it backwards. But he is giving one hell of a performance as Layman. I loved this guy. I loved everything about him. His screwed up story, all of it. I had a blast every time he was on screen. Chewing up scenery and just spitting out lines.
2: Agreed. What is not to love about, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones in general, but the way he played this character and just the way they played off of each other when they were in scenes together. Um, and, and by together, I mean, him and Libby was so fun. What did he say for like, right off the bat? He was like, you're going to be a problem.
0: Yeah, is this going to be a problem for you? Like, he pulls up the picture of her kids. Like, is this a problem for you? And she gets to throw that at yeah. him later when you know, there's But then at daughter. the end
2: of that yeah. scene, well, not quite the end, but right before he sends her off to her room, I think he just looks right at her and says, you're going to be a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she was a problem for you.
1: The one thing I noticed this time watching the movie, you know, having now just shit on it for 10 minutes, <laughs> it it noticeably, like the enjoyment level noticeably spikes as soon as Tommy Lee Jones shows up. Like, like now we're in a movie that's actually fun. And from here on out, there's still a lot of stuff that drives me nuts, but there's no question. The back half of this movie for me, at least is a hell of a lot more fun than the front half. Um, because we get Tommy Lee Jones, we get Ashley Judd going full, you know, again, Dr. Richard Kimball, you know, dollar, you know, uh, theme distaff Richard Kimball in this, being smart and figuring all this stuff out and tracking everybody down. And, and there's just a sense of fun here that 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 I think was missing from the first half of the movie. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I look, he's he can do this in his sleep, but I'll watch Tommy Lee Jones do this in his sleep until the day i die i mean i got i got no problem with him being cranky like this this is i love firebirds i'm like the only person on the planet that loves firebirds no
0: (laughs) i will ride for that movie too yes anytime you want to take sean young and put a a pair of her underwear over nick cage's face so that he can learn how to shoot straight from a helicopter with a laser guided missile system hell to the yes sign me up
1: so. Yeah, So, and, and Tommy Lee Jones is doing cranky Tommy Lee Jones in that. So you know, I yeah,
0: Lindsay, Love if it. you have not if you have not seen the greatness of this Firebird, you owe it to yourself. You really will, do owe. I it to haven't, yourself.
2: and I will now. Yourself
1: you
0: yourself Andrew your Brian for that. yeah
2: I will. Yeah, your your Sterling reviews. Yes, like I <laughs> I, I ride me. for
0: that movie too. I am with you. So um because it's just zany it. as hell, and it's so much fun. But uh anyway, yeah, no, I I'm. He he does bring such a gleeful, don't give a damn about any of it. And that, that's sort of Tommy Lee Jones's performance secret is that he kind of always does that. And I, again, I go back to it with the first thing I ever saw him in, y'all. He's always playing some version of what he thought do little Lynn was like. <laughs> and, and he's just sort of like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. You know, And he's just sort of blowing through all this stuff. And I, I got such a kick out of him. But you nailed it too, Lindsay. He's exactly right. He knows this is a problem, and we get to see him. He didn't play around like one of his other, you know, people that's at the halfway house. She's out instead of working at McDonald's. She's out hooking on the street, and he just busts her for it in front of everybody, and lets the whole world see. Like, nope, revoking that, going right back. And you know, I've known a few probation officers in my time. Mike, I'm sure you know, and still work with many of them. They kind of have to be that way. You can't play, right? Like, it's it's got to be pretty hardcore if you're going to you know get people to fly right and, and do right in society again. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and, and you can't really, you can't do favors for the ones you like because then you'll lose all of them. Um, if you do that. Uh, now that being said, a, you know, in the real world, a, a law professor who lost his job because he's a drunk isn't going to be a parole officer. He's right. not going to pass the background checks and stuff like that. But again, sleazy potboiler, you know, that that's not one of those things that hangs up I, again. I don't people I've hopefully been on the show enough. People know I'm not this pedantic normally, no. but like I, I figure I would just <laughs> no, we, I, I'm here. I'll point this stuff out. Yes.
0: No, we we brought you here to do this. I, I will take full credit for that.
2: Yeah, I've really been looking forward to hearing all of your notes.
0: <laughs> yes, we we set Lindsay up on this one. We told her.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was prepared we, and excited. We brought so you in, do you?
0: We brought exactly in the, what you're doing. Exactly, we brought in the ringer. You know, so it's like my I have Lindsay on to do musical stuff too. It's, it's, it's <laughs> there's a reason that she and I reviewed West Side Story with Mike from Amateur Art Tours. So that, yeah, I I do. You called it that earlier, Lindsay. Um, the way Libby learns how to use the Netscape navigator with the college dude, bro uh, was hilarious to me, especially when he's trying to come on to her and she's like, well, you know, I just got out of prison for killing my husband. (laughs) Oh shit. I got a class or something.
2: The delivery of those lines, her delivery was perfection. I could eat it up. I could watch that scene every day. It was so, so great because I I just love the realization on Dude Bro's face that, like, oh, shit. (laughs) She's not lying. And then I love how she just, like, puts that cherry on top with that. But a drink sounds great. I haven't been (laughs) out in a really long time.
1: I don't know what it says about me that I'm watching Ashley Judd in that scene and I'm still going, yeah,
0: still would. It's fine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> like, I thought that while I was. Watching. <laughs> so we're all in <laughs>
0: agreement we would go for it. Yes.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> no, I love that though, it though, because it does show you one thing, and this is not something that people talk enough about, I think, in her. Ashley Judd has really good comic time. And, she, and when you give her the right stuff, she can be very dry, very witty, very funny. She's got some good lines at the head of time to kill. Uh, with Matthew McConaughey, where they're you know scrubbing the floors and doing all that other shit back and forth, and she she clearly has talent, and I love that they gave her a little moment like this because again, a lesser movie would have just you know had dude brochure or how to use it and then walk off. No, we're going to get a little comedy in for part of it. So it's one of the times I, I you know, appreciate the movie doing this. It's when you can tell like. Maybe they all knew. Like, look, the first half of this is garbage. We just got to get through it, y'all. Because once she gets free, it's gonna be, it's gonna be funny. But I love how, like, she, you know, she's supposed to be like getting a job and all this shit, and Libby is like, nah. (laughs) She's immediately on the revenge tour. Like, she's doing nothing.
1: This is one of those other things that kind of drove me nuts about it. Is again. How is she not low jacked? Right? She's like friggin' like going back, you know, jumping a little ahead, but she's going to the library. And I guess the library she could like play off is like she's there looking for a job, filling out job applications and stuff. But like when you're on parole, especially if you're on parole for, again, committing a first degree, brutal, god awful, horrific murder, uh-huh. you're going to be ankle monitored. They're going to yes. know where you are at all times, at least for the first probably year that you're on parole. Um to until you can establish that you're trustworthy. Certainly your first day, you're not just like, okay, at eight o'clock you get to leave, you better be back at five. Go forth and do whatever. Uh, sin no more. That, that That is not how it
0: works. Can we also talk about, we need to talk about this, her job in the prison, she's like, is a cook at one point, but then at one point, she's a barber. I'm like, why would you give the murder stabbing lady sharp implements? Because if she had got a job at a great clip, so I'm like, damn, y'all's background checks suck, y'all. So, like, you don't let that lady do that.
2: So, uh. <laughs> I don't know how thorough Great Clip's background text back are. <laughs> <large. laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe they have.
0: Well, I mean, they didn't do it. So I, I can't knock them for it. But I did, I did laugh about that. I'm like, well, what is she going to do? Go become a barber? I'm like, when, why the hell would they let her do that to begin with in the prison? So like tempt her again.
2: Good behavior? I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that is, in fairness, I think that mm-hmm. is kind of the point. Cause Lindsay, you mentioned, you know, that it, it, part of it is that's a lot of time jump. I mean, there's six mm-hmm. years in like 15 minutes in that prison scene. True. And yeah. I, I do think narratively, it's kind of trying to establish, and that does support how she got parole too. it. It, it supports that she is, has been this model prisoner has been trustworthy. They are trusting her with, with, scissors and implements like this and stuff like that. So I kind of get it. But again, it's all still so unbelievably ridiculous because it's all flawed from the beginning of making the murder. So horrific to begin with that. Everything else kind of doesn't work like it's broken at the foundation if yeah. that makes
0: sense no no completely and and also broken at the foundation is whoever wrote this is understanding of how the internet works at all even in 1999 <laughs> that you could just randomly look this kind of shit up like no you still had to like get behind walls and find stuff like it wasn't I want people to understand maybe younger listeners to this <laughs> that I was alive and using the internet in 1999 and it was not nearly the wealth of information that this movie would tell you that it is. Um, they did not have this shit just hanging out there like that. So I know we've got to get her to somehow or another figure out what school Angela was at cool. so she can track her to the whatever next. I know we gotta lead her down the path, but wow, they're asking me to take a lot of leaps here that just
2: I love that Dude, bro, was even like, "Oh, you have her social security number?" Who knows I'm like, that? "What do you, what are you going to do? Access the dark net from the local library? What are you doing with that yeah, information?" Say hi to
0: Ross for me. I mean, come on, <laughs> what are you doing? I, I've been married nearly 18 years. I still have to look it up. I don't know my wife's social security <laughs> number. God, who knows that shit? It's, it's I would know my random friend's social security number, sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's it seems like, hmm, even if you did, that wouldn't have helped you. But whatever. We have to, we have to get the the, <laughs> the thing along the way because what we do get is her breaking into the school, uh, very bad ninja like. And we get a chase though with a couple of like I, I, beach cops or something, you know, here <laughs> <laughs> like we get the jeep gets totaled, and I'm like, "Wow, this movie decided we were going to have a damn action bullet scene in the middle of this, uh, you know, drama, prison drama." I don't know where that came from, but it was not what I expected to happen. And I had totally forgotten that that scene was in this movie.
2: I would be interested to know if Jeep paid for product placement because honestly, Jeep for the win. That thing rolled a few times, and those cops popped right out and caught her anyway.
1: Right. Which
2: that roll bar worked. <laughs>
1: Layman shows up and takes her back. No, she literally just tried to kill two cops. She's immediately going back to prison. Like, but she's going to jail first. Cops typically don't <laughs> like it when you roll their cars. They're not just like, oh, your po's here. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You can just go. Yeah.
0: Even if those also, were rent a cops for the school. Which, by the way, what kind of school has those cops? But anyway, those were clearly like sheriff's deputies. Yes, they do not. They do not deal with the destruction of property or you tried to kill them.
2: I I also had a hard time. Here's where here's where I got lost in that scene is she had this whole really I mean, not the best prison training montage I've ever seen, but a legit prison training montage and she couldn't outrun two chubby beach cops. <laughs>
0: we running in the sand, stuff. I'm just gonna say. So
2: <laughs> well, sure, but they were running in the sand too.
0: I mean, I I'm I really like was surprised the way that we did because it, it's a great scene. But I felt like I was watching like the scene at the beginning of Jaws, which I know it's on the other coast, but still, yeah, there's a little picket fence thing and run along the sand. I thought we were getting a, a callback to that, yeah, at some point. But either way. Um, They turn her over to the P.O. because as we've established in this movie, he's the almighty God of the law enforcement world. Um, So he's going to take her back to prison and handcuffs her to the door. But don't take the damn car keys. (laughs) I mean, the fact that they at least set up that he's pouring whiskey into his coffee maybe explains why that happens. But come on, man like that that i mean i know it's got to be the convenience sake but it's a little too convenient uh, at that point but i i will i will get a kick out of the fact that she she backs that thing up and runs it forward several times to break that door handle and no one on that ferry notices it at all i've been on a few ferries they're not that loud i mean come on yeah i will say though
2: it did lead us to one of the most beautiful shots in the entire film which I will say, too, the second half of the movie we already talked about was much better than the first. But visually, it's also much more interesting. I think that the cinematographers had a lot more fun with with how things were shot. And it probably helps, too, that they're also shooting in a place like New Orleans Mm -hmm. later in the movie. But... That was my first. Those underwater shots, I will live and die for. I love that. Well,
0: yeah, when the car's falling away from the two of them. That is pretty good. Well, and then
2: as they're mm. swimming up and she grabs the gun and she's swimming mm-hmm. away.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's well done. I don't know if that was done in a tank or, you know, how they pulled that off, but it looks pretty good. I mean, it's gorgeous scenery because all that's, I think that's when they were in like Vancouver, uh, which is going to double for Colorado in a little bit. And they shot a lot of that stuff up there. Cause I've been up there and it's gorge. I mean, it looks all like that, but I was like, man, that I mean, about, she's really rolling the dice of like, well, I don't care. I'm rolling off the end of this damn dock with you or without you fugitive man. <laughs> so come, come on and we'll take a swim. Um, but I, I do love the, I mean, she she does get away in a legit way she has to bash him over the head um which i was like shit somebody got to save tommy lee jones but he he's uh you know a timex he can just take it um but i I don't know i i love that she gets away and all i could think was like wouldn't every cop within like 20 miles know where this woman was at that moment mike
1: every every you know (laughs) Man house, outhouse, dog house within a twenty mile radius is gonna is gonna be searched at this point. Like like there there is there is no way that she makes it to Colorado. this, this woman would immediately she has now attempted to kill three cops, and we already know that she's a convicted murderer this woman would jump to the top of the FBI's most wanted list. She'd be, you know, and this is 99 it's, it's pre nine 11. So we didn't have things like terrorism watch lists and stuff, but it's not like we didn't have like, uh, the friggin' guy who ran America's most wanted, like she'd be the number one yes. story on America's yeah. most wanted that night, you know, like and and they, yeah, there's, there's just, and then again, this is one of those times I know it's a potboiler, but boy, does this movie really stretch any like you have got to have a friggin' Gumby level suspension of disbelief to go along with this movie. Um, And I like I like action movies. So trust me, I'm I got a flexible suspension of disbelief. But this one, there are so many things in this that are a bridge too far. But again, I will reiterate my point. At least this stuff in the second half, it's just as dumb as the stuff in the first half. But it is much more fun. Yes. It's much more fun to watch her break those cuffs off that car and uh, and especially once, you know, uh, Tommy Lee Jones gets on the case tracking her down and starts figuring out what's going on. It, it just – it gets a lot more enjoyable to watch as much as there's always a part of my brain that's going – Wow, you 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 could. Li- you're 45 years old, Mike. You don't have a lot of time left on this world. <laughs> why are you using it to watch this?
0: Because you love us. That is why. <laughs> I suckered you into. It. No, you're you're right though. It is it is just as dumb. I will point out that Washington State to Colorado is not exactly next door. That takes a lot to do, but whatever. So we're just going to take the Bundy route and say it happens and. And she's there. And so she goes to visit mom who conveniently has, I don't know, seven or eight grand buried in the tomato garden. G- good for you. I guess. I mean, yeah, I, I did, I get, I did get a laugh out of like, oh, I always said there was money in tomatoes. So I'm like, well, I, I guess that's the only place you would go is you'd go to somewhere that that knew you which luckily she's from you know the next door town that texas chainsaw Massacre takes place in, and nobody ever talks about anything because like (laughs) let me good to see you when did you get out like you know everybody in that town would have heard about it at church for six damn years or something but the beauty parlor bless her heart right yes where was that but anyway we got it we got to get her because i think at some point someone told the screenwriters this woman doesn't have any money and we don't want her like to commit real crime like rob a bank or anything so <laughs> what what are we gonna do like she already hit Tommy Lee jones in the head what are, you,
1: what are you gonna do for money okay she goes jay sex mama yeah you sex mama yes yeah
0: excellent i mean
2: she did kind of commit real crimes. She did charge oh. um, an Armani suit to another woman's hotel room. But yeah,
0: she does that. Like and yeah. tried to kill several people. Yeah. Yeah, she she has tried to kill three cops at this point. So we shouldn't we shouldn't gloss over but that. But
2: karma, she ended up in a casket with a dead body. So. I mean-
0: but conveniently, we're going to talk about that. She has the gun still <laughs> on her because her husband's an idiot.
2: But anyway, I thought about that, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. So anyway, she tracks her dad. I, lo- I love she tra- she tracks Angela, though, because, of course, she just magically remembers that social. So she's running the credit ad upon her. I bought a car in the last couple years. you got to put out kind of identification. You can't just write stuff down. <laughs> like You've got to, like, put pieces of paper down and driver's licenses and things like that. You just don't get to, especially a friggin' Mercedes dealership. Please come on, come on, y'all. I mean, but but I will say this though while she's out hustling for information, we get to see Tommy Lee Jones do the same thing, and that is the funny scene when he goes to his old parolee and he's like, Oh, that's fine, I know you can't give me any information. Does your employer know that you used to perform the art of love? You know, she's basically a hooker, like, No, 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 I'll do it for you, I'll break the law for you, Mr. Lehman. And I, I was like, Wow, he's he's just as much of a hustler as she is, and I don't know, I, I uh I got a kick out of, out of him doing that little scene.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's him doing what he does, right? Like Tommy Lee Jones shaking people down is, is always just, uh, it's, it's never not going to be fun. Um, you know, and, and again, at least here now we, we, you know, we've talked about how much this movie moves, but now, but the first part of it, it moves quickly, but it's not actually propulsive. We're just, it feels like we're just dropping scenes in order here. Now we're starting to get like some propulsive narrative momentum. It feels like we're on a clock and things are, are building up to speed. And and, and that just, that makes it a lot easier to kind of just go with, go with and not dwell on the stupidity. Like some of the things that I've brought up, I probably wouldn't have even necessarily noticed if I wasn't specifically taking notes for a podcast, right? If mm-hmm. I was just sitting and watching the movie, some of it I probably would have just kind of let go, um, you know, and, and and that's a testament to how, how f- kind of fun we have in this second half.
0: Oh absolutely and I mean some of the most fun is when she's out you know doing doing more investigation and I was like microfiche. I remember doing that in the library myself before there was Google Kids. you had to look at newspapers turned into these little microphone pieces. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, I wonder if lindsay and, and uh, uh, Mike have done that too. Well heck, I know y'all both have so yes. <laughs> So, but i I got a kick out of that because we are getting these information dumps. She finds out a lot of stuff, obviously they moved to Colorado, and then it seems like every three years Nick needs to chameleon and becomes someone else because I guess that's when he blows his, his cash. And at that point, and he seems to off somebody in the process. I'm like the gas explosion that kills Annabeth Gish though, that bothers me. Like I, I wanted to know like what happened to her and all that. I, I, it still bugs me that they got her to do this. And it's a, she's in three scenes. It's a nothing role. And it, it bugs me because she could do so much more stuff. Uh, but I guess it's all because we're trying to set up the magical Kedinski that uh Ashley Judd sees like the corner of in one picture and that leads her to New Orleans. That that is a uh that's a bit of sleuthing right there. That's pretty darn good.
2: Yeah, I was impressed with her investigative skills. I mean, he talked about that painting from the very first second who did she didn't she have that picture out libby had the picture out of maddie and she was like come on kid tell me something
0: mm-hmm. yeah i thought that
2: was a weird moment but i was like all right was- you know she needs to <laughs> she, i mean you know, these guys someone i guess these but guys
0: wrote the rock they probably knew the guys that you know talk to me goose you know i mean <laughs> they didn't Gun guys. there's there's a moment yeah. which by the way naval aviators just can't Stop what they're doing and pick up random pieces of metal and rub them in their hands, <laughs> lest the plane fall out of the damn sky. But whatever,
2: um, I love But it Dr. gave her None. purpose. Well, it he- gave her purpose, and I think it it caused you know it, it led her to look a little more closely, which led her to that. But then the whole series of finding this painting mm-hmm. was fascinating, and the fact that Tommy Lee Jones kept up with her, like right on her tail. I mean, I thought was impressive and Mike, maybe that's totally normal. I'm going to kind of lean on you for any expertise you might have in that area, but it feels like, I mean, literally in the same place at the same time as she is and chasing her around Nola, I feel like she'd be kind of hard to find.
1: Yeah, no, it's re- Ridiculous, Uh, but it's it's Tommy Lee Jones, so it's fine. Like, okay, like like that's that's the thing, it's Tommy Lee Jones, so it's fine. But no, it's ridiculous. First of all, he's got no jurisdiction there, um, because he's a Washington state parole officer, so he's got absolutely no jurisdiction to be in either Colorado or uh New Orleans. He's not a bounty hunter, he doesn't work for a bail bondsman. You know, what you would do even back in 1999 is you send her information to the police in Colorado and the police in new Orleans. If you figure out she's there and they, you issue a warrant for her and they track her down and she gets picked up. I mean, you don't, you, you can't, he's got like, who's man. Well, we get the scenes of his boss yelling at him, right? Yeah. Because he's completely <laughs> abandoned all his other parolees right? to go track this lady down. Like he's friggin' like dog, the bounty hunter or yes. something. And like, you know, so it's ridiculous. But again, it's so fun. It's hard to get, you know, and I, I do really like the scene where she's in the art gallery and he, he shows up there. And so she's got to quickly find all this stuff and, and get out of there before he comes back. And, uh, and the guy says, what does the guy, the art gallery owner say? Like, she seemed like such a woman of he class. or so
2: refined. So
1: refined, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, she crashes the – but she
0: tears uh, She's the,
2: wearing a sweatsuit. <laughs> she
0: seems so refined. She tears the hell out of that rental car, though, with that humongous Chevrolet made out of metal. <laughs> Yeah, so.
2: Let me tell you what. Those old trucks can take a beating.
0: Oh, yes. I drove one for many years. I, I know that. So, yeah, it's, it, it's funny. But she gets away. I do love the log in these kind of movies when they actually shoot on location, at least on the coverage side. Like, it's so neat that they you know, they bothered to go to Washington. They went to Vancouver to double for Colorado. And then they, they went to New Orleans and shot. And I've been to New Orleans several times. That's exactly what it looks like or looked like in the 90s, at least. And The second I
2: saw it, I was like, is that New Orleans? That can't be New Orleans. That's on the other side side of the country and then a few seconds later it was new orleans it's it's also
0: new orleans pre-katrina too so which is a very different look than than what it is now but uh, yeah i was actually
1: in new orleans in 99 um so yeah we we do need to talk about uh Ashley Judd's uh, Libby's driving ability here. She is that friggin' NASA (laughs) lady because she clearly has got diapers on because I have made that cross country drive several times. I have driven from Atlanta to Salt Lake city three or four times. And let me tell you something that is a brutal drive and you do not want to do it on your own. (laughs) Uh, And uh, we we have to assume she's not staying in hotels because again, that's just going to run the risk. So that's the other thing I always think about when, a movie starts going off for me like this. I start thinking about, man, she got to be friggin' rank at this point. Like, she has got to be stanky. Yo, <laughs> she's
0: on a plane at one point, but still wearing the same clothes. And I'm going, yeah, that lady behind her gives her a look. And I'm like, it's probably because she sniffs her at this point. <laughs> like, ugh.
2: well, some truck stops have showers. So she could have that. Is true. The that, is that is a good
1: point. That is a good point. I thought this
2: through. But the clothes were an issue for me, Mike. I agree with you. The whole time I was like, doesn't she understand she is going into all of these really classy places wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt? (laughs) And she looks out of place. She has to know that. She seems really smart. And her mom just gave her a wad of cash. Why isn't she going to buy something a little more presentable in the situation she's trying to fit into and then cut to the hotel store or wherever it was
1: yeah but even even before the in the hotel store scene was great but even before that it's like Jack Reacher, we all have just watched Jack Reacher. Like, Goodwill exists. Like, we know she can just stop in every town and buy a change of clothes for five bucks and look, (laughs) you know, and look a lot better. Like,
0: no lie. I'm on my way to a job interview once, realize two thirds of the way there, I've left my suit three states back. I stop at a Goodwill, buy a whole suit interviewing it, get the job, donate the (laughs) suit back to Goodwill on the way back. I'm like, look, it can be done. (laughs) Even I know this. So yes. Yep. Yeah. I heard the way that they played that, that hotel store scene was very much like out of that bit in pretty woman where Julia Roberts gets to rub it in the snooty woman's face or whatever, but just, truncated in in a severe way. But what you see is that Libby is now performing incredible fraud because she just stands behind that poor woman at the the counter and is like, okay, Mrs. Bottom tooth in 1492. And then she just goes and charges it to her room. I'm sure Mrs. Underhill will figure that out when she gets her Amex bill. Like that's, (laughs) you're going to know that pretty quick. And I'm sure somebody, is she going to drop that kind of dough on an Armani? Somebody from that store is going to call her and go. We just want to thank you for your patronage. Like they're going to suck up a little bit. Like that. That's going to get noticed. But eh, whatever, because it's all about going to a good party, right? <laughs> See, mm-hmm. Especially when you can scare the hell out of somebody that you know thinks you're dead, or thinks you're in prison. Um, and this, is well, and to- once, mm-hmm.
1: once again, not not to dwell on the purient or be the creeper, but it also gives us <laughs> Ashley Judd in that dress. Uh, right. So you know, true. <laughs> yeah. you know. We've
0: all established here that we, we would all date her, okay? Like we've all said, <laughs> so, all three of us. So. Yep. <laughs> no, yeah, she looks stunning in that dress, and and everybody looks great, and we get Bruce Greenwood to come back on the scene. I feel like he shot for maybe five days and when he's in his suspenders and his southern genteel thing, I'm sitting there going like, man, that's a hard accent, but I'm lapping it up because I love to watch him just be Mr. Auctioneer salesman sleaze. I'm like, bro, you have you have elevated from insurance fraud to gas explosion <laughs> murderer to you own a friggin' hotel in New Orleans, bud. But yeah. Wow. Good for you, evil person. You're you're moving up in the world.
2: I was impressed with the accent, too, and his whole character shift as a character, creating a new character. I was really into it, the play within a play, and he did it. Well, I mean, you know what I mean, style. We're Mm -hmm. not talking about a play here, but he – I was watching for the accent, which, you know, I've done a few times before. Not New Orleans once, but (laughs) – It was really good. It was really spot on. I thought just the real, pinky up southern.
0: But no, it's not bad. It's pretty good. And what I I I like too that he can switch it on and off. Like that's pretty darn good. That's when you know like how evil this guy really is. Like holy cow, how do you not like? How do you keep the brain power up to do that? It's that's tough. But it, it again, it shows you, you got an actor in there that really is just like, okay, I know what this is. And he's just going to chew it up and, and does great with it. And his scenes with Tommy Lee Jones are fun. I love those moments when they're kind of going back and forth with each other. Do you have any idea what this one, you know, she's trying to kill you. I don't know why she would have ever got that idea in Ta Nation, you know, doing the Falkhorn leg leg And I, I love that. It was funny because Tommy Lee Jones is from Texas. So that's just how he sounds, you know? So he's not faking the funk. Um, whereas Bruce Greenwood is, is most definitely laying it on thick, but I got a, I got a kick out of those.
2: You strike me as a whiskey and soda. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's sizing people up and all that. But I love how how you know she agrees to meet him. They go, we we get the big historic cemetery, because you gotta if you're gonna do New Orleans, man, you gotta like hit some of the landmarks, right? So let's do that. Why in the world Libby goes there? She's got the gun on her. We know this, right? Why he, when he knocks her out, he doesn't think like Maybe I should make sure she doesn't have any weapons so she can get out of this coffin and come and kill me again. I mean, she did just come from prison completely across the country in the same sweatpants to murder me. So maybe I should frisk her. I don't know.
2: Did he know? I guess he did. Did Tommy Lee Jones tell him that she had his gun?
0: Yeah, I think at that point he had said something about, like, she might shoot you with the gun she stole from. Or he he tells the cop that. Yeah, He told the cop
1: that because the cop didn't want to help him. And he said, oh, well, she's going to kill one of your prominent citizens with the gun that she stole from me. Good point. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so the cops know.
2: I also question her willingness to chase a strange child through (laughs) a, a cemetery. But I mean, you'd think she – clearly he was about the same age as her son and she hadn't seen him for a few years, but I don't know. I feel like she would have recognized that it wasn't him, even from that distance. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a parent. So
0: I Yeah, I'm how I'm how not either. Yeah, I have no idea. Me either. I am really I'm I'm way out of my skis to talk about that. I don't yeah. know. I I did like that he ran away because at first I you know I was like, Oh, okay, that's actually like a believable thing that like he may yeah. be like freaked out by all this just a little bit. But you know, the kids just paid off. So whatever. He's he's just running away from that. I like
2: that he did the whole thing with like a mountain dew in his hand or something. Oh yeah, that too. was a
0: broad place. But yeah, my wife caught that. <laughs> the licensing person like, mm, they pay for that. So I was like, Oh yep. yeah prominent so sure that 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 was on the screen in the right place but but i mean that that's how these things get done i I did get a kick out of that though that she's just running after him and then she gets bonked over the head but when she wakes up with that coffin we're in another horror movie again too because it's like oh we're mrs bates excuse me while i shoot the hinges off of this coffin here and get out of this sarcophagus
2: Yep. She flicked that light. Well, they because they don't show the dead body right away. Mm -mm. They just show her in the coffin. And I looked at Brian and I went, is she in there with a dead body? Is she in there with a dead body? And then they showed the dead body. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. All right. Nailed that one. Got the other stuff wrong, but I got that part right.
1: But again, another one of those weird things about this movie where it like never kind of commits to anything because she wakes up in the coffin and and she like has two seconds of deep breathing and then pulls out the gun, shoots out the hinges and she's out. You know, we don't really ever feel that much danger for her because she's never in danger long enough for us to fill anything. Cause she's always mm-hmm. just getting out of everything very quickly. Um, it's an effective scene. It, it works, but it, it is one of those things where I wish, one of the times I wish the movie had been a little less breakneck uh and let us sit with her kind of freaking out being in there for a minute before she's like all oh, right I have a gun although I guess the catch- 22 then is dummy you have a gun why don't you just shoot out but you know yeah well the well, the
0: other, the, other the, the nit that I will pick on it is if he got her in the coffin he had to break the coffin open to make that happen which once you break it open it doesn't lock back so therefore just push up really and it's over yeah I mean if he, got, if he got, knew that if he got that thing open and then to do that, he had to pry that lock open and break it. So if she just pushes up, the door is going to fly open in front of her. Like, that's, yeah, she didn't need to do that at all. But, yeah. Plus, on top
1: of that, you're already going to put her in a coffin. Just fucking kill her first and then put her in the coffin. You, like, yes. that's, I like, that I do. like,
0: yeah. Hey, you yeah. Ice Cream would need the Scott Evil to go, like, you need to shoot him. <laughs> you shoot her twice and then make sure she's in the coffin. <laughs> Yeah, cause yeah, but again, the 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 logic of this movie operates because everyone in it makes the absolute dumbest choice they can to make sure that Libby gets where she's got to go. Like that's that's the entire three line of all of this. But I, I do love how though that we we get the morning at well, you know, she's running and Layman catches her, and I kind of like the fact that we let the fugitive catcher actually catch up to her. You know, and, you know, she starts crying. He has this tender moment because we, we haven't talked about it. But along the way, he's picked up on the breadcrumbs enough to where he believes her story. Now, I also am having a hard time suspending beliefs that he would go like, yeah, but she also tried to kill me and like a bunch of other people. So I'm not going to let that go. But I feel for her. So I hear you. But we're going to talk about these other problems uh, along the way. But it's, I don't know. It, it's a it's a strange scene because you don't know how it's going to play out in the end when he goes back to confront Nick in the morning at his hotel. And he starts laying on things like, no, I want $2 million right now. You know, <laughs> give him right to a second, you know, and he's shaking him down and you realize like, oh man, he's just trying to get him to do the James Bond thing where he just, you tell me all your evil plan and then I can play it back for you as I arrest you. Uh, for it. So it's, it's, it's a little cheesy. And like I said, in the plot summary to no one's surprise, <laughs> she comes out right as she hears the right moment. Did I want to ask y'all like, though, honestly, I kind of would have dug it. If we didn't have to have a fight scene where she murders him at the end, like, d- wouldn't it have been more satisfying? They're like, no, I'm not going to kill you. I'm actually going to let the real police take you to real prison for all the shit that you did. Or did we need him to die in a horrific manner?
2: For me, the more visceral experience was her shooting the painting. So everything <laughs> after that was just, <laughs>
0: he the, the had to go. Bonus. And- <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know how I said, when we were talking about the Double Jeopardy thing that they were going to do something that was going to piss me off at the end and we'd come back to it. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) This ending just infuriates me because if you're going to so badly fuck up Double Jeopardy Don't walk it back at the end. I am so mad that she kills him in self-defense. I mean, this is a... you, Jay, you said she murders him. No, she doesn't. This is a clean kill. This is a clean self-defense kill in this situation. Like, if you're gonna fuck it up so badly that you base your entire premise around this thing, then have her actually murder him and have Tommy Lee Jones be like, well, yep, it's double jeopardy. You're gonna be just fine. You know, or... Do like what you said, Jay, and have her not actually kill him like this is the the most spineless possible ending they could have gone with, which is they've got the guy dead to rights. And then Bruce Greenwood, he's a millionaire who owns a hotel. Instead of hiring an army of lawyers, he just goes you know, rage monster and tries to shoot a cop and then tries to kill her. And so she's free and clear to shoot him. We don't even have to talk about double jeopardy. It's self-defense. She's justified. It's it's Raylan Givens is going, yeah, no, that's, that's a good kill. You're justified, you know? And so like <laughs> it, it, it drives me nuts. that they set up this stupid premise for this movie and they don't even have the balls to follow
0: through with it at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, Ah uh, yeah. But they double down on it. They doubled down on it with her talking like she lays out all that jailhouse lawyer <laughs> crap and Tommy Lee Jones says, says "Yes, yeah, sure."
1: As <laughs> a law professor, she's right. I know. I I was howling at that scene. All, all
0: I could think <laughs> was somewhere somewhere in Utah Mike is going, I can assure you she's dead wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this
1: I had I had a decent amount of fun here in this last half and then in the last 5 minutes the movie totally lost me again because it was just yeah. so everything about it was just like wrong choice after wrong choice I feel like mm-hmm. um so yeah they
0: they <sighs> Uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah, but, that, but, but you know we got we got to put the button on it because Tommy Lee Jones is. I guess they've given him some. I don't know Demerol or something because he's talking out of his head. Like I'll get you a little pink pony and I'm get you a pardon and all that. Yeah, you know, he's talking out of his head. As they're wheeling him on the gurney and then he accompanies her to go pick up the kid in Georgia. But this time she gets to drive. He gets to ride. And there's something about the way he delivers that last line. And it's almost like, oh, please get out of the car. And stop this movie. <laughs> He's so done <laughs> with this. And I'm like, oh, I feel you, Tommy. I I feel you. I'm there. But I, did you notice the kid, though, the, the grown up, Maddie? He's the kid from Arlington Road, Mike.
1: Yeah, and unbreakable, and he's just as creepy in this as he is in those. Right, two. like, like, like when he shows up, I feel, I feel so bad for Spencer Treat Clark. It's not fun to, you know, I should be higherbrow than than make fun of him. And as an adult, he's he's grown into a perfectly. You know, decent-looking dude. Um, like if you saw a glass. But as a kid, man, he just had this look, and all I could think when Libby's looking at all the kids and he turns around and she's like Maddie, and he turns around, I would have been like, oh, never mind.
0: Sorry, I'm not your mom. Bye. Have
1: a nice time. <laughs>
0: I also don't know how the little Moppet-headed kid grew up to be him in like six years. I'm like, "Mm, you know, you change a lot, but you don't change that. You don't change completely like that. So which would, I guess, Double Jeopardy 2 would have been that it wasn't Maddie. It was Angela's other son or something like that. (laughs) But uh, we'll never know because this movie made money, but it didn't get that kind of treatment. So.
1: And and Libby got her full pardon, and then went back to prison for all the other crimes <laughs> right, that she committed yeah. while <laughs> trying to clear her name. Talk about like, yes, the charge. One hand, good news. Full pardon. You did not kill your husband. Well, you did, but you're justified. So full pardon. Now, here you're under arrest and going to prison for attempted murder on three separate police officers, massive property damage, uh, attempted vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. Fraud. Uh, Fraud. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. But on the plus side, we are giving you your job back as a stylist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everything ends with uh, silver lining. There we go. Well, I think we've reached the lining of this podcast. it's time to get final thoughts recommendations and popcorn ratings so what are yours for double jeopardy mike
1: it's a small popcorn for me i mean this is this is not a good movie this is not other than a few things this is not a movie i enjoy and no matter how much sort of sleazy potboiler fun there is to be found the entire double jeopardy thing just casts such a cloud over it for me But then I also thought, you know what? It actually could be a medium popcorn, but only if you go to the dollar store and you buy those (laughs) bags of dollar store popcorn, because this is such a dollar store ass movie that dollar store popcorn gets you up to a medium.
0: (laughs) Well said. Lindsay?
2: Man, I didn't even know that was an option. Now I'm thinking, all right. Jay, tell me if this if this works for our popcorn rating, because technically it's popcorn. I'm going to give it a Costco pack, but like a big pack of multiple packs. So just one of the little packs in the big pack of (laughs) Cracker Jacks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we can do that.
2: (laughs) Because it is it's like satisfying on a certain on a certain level. For me, it was very satisfying because it moves so quickly. And again, I've been kind of stuck in the realm of overly long movies that felt like they were about at least 30 minutes too long for the film. So to have something so efficiently run was incredibly refreshing <laughs> for me. So I would give it uh, a small Cracker Jack or in our traditional popcorn ratings, just a regular medium popcorn.
0: I, I got to say, I had vivid memories of seeing this movie, you know, because I saw it in theaters. I saw it at least once since then, and it, but it had been a long, long time, and I didn't remember a lot of it. And when I watched it again and prepared for this, I thought. Wow, I really, uh, I'm really gonna owe Mike like a bottle of something, or you know, (laughs) probably need to buy Lindsay some flowers because I feel bad because y'all, I did not have a good time rewatching it. I had such tremendous time talking about it with the two of you that it actually improves my my thought about this movie. That I think this is the kind of movie that should be watched with a group of people. Preferably if you've got one friend who's a lawyer that you can drag through it, that you plow with enough drinks to make sure that, hey, yes, we get some real like we're going to pause it. And like Jamie Kennedy does in the in the middle of screen, like, hold on, let me explain to you all how awful all this is, because that's exactly the fun that can be had in this movie. This movie is on warp speed to stupidville from the very minute it starts and it never gets off that train. It doesn't mean that it's totally unwatchable, but it—if you apply any amount of brain power to it at all—it's like Jaws: The Revenge. It will slap you for thinking about it too much, Um, and it's not even as satisfying as that. This is definitely small popcorn territory, but it's the kind of small popcorn that I buy it at, like the JV wrestling tournament. I don't expect a lot. I'm like, whatever. And for the first like little bit of it, I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. But in the middle, there's like this buttery, salty wonderfulness. Then I'm like, yes, this is the greatest popcorn I've ever had. And then I get to the end. I'm like, oh no, it's terrible again, but it was still popcorn and there wasn't a lot of it and it didn't cost me a lot of my calories. So I only have to run so many miles to forget it. So it's a small popcorn, but it's at least a fun one to to do. And it's always fun talking about it with folks like y'all. So Mike, thank you once again, not only for coming on the show because you're always so gracious to do that, but for taking one for the team and for being our expert here to pick apart this thing. Uh, It's always great to have you here, my friend. And please, once again, tell folks how they can follow you and all the great stuff that you're doing out in the pod land.
1: Yeah, you can follow me personally on Twitter and letterboxed at Hibachi Justice. You can follow the show, Action for Everyone, on Twitter at A4E Podcast. That's the letter A, the number four, the letter E podcast. And uh you can find that podcast anywhere uh that podcasts are found. Uh We typically post every Sunday. So, uh, so make sure to check us out. It's a, it's a good fun time. Even if you're not a huge action movie fan, I still recommend checking it out because we just, we have a lot of fun and it's a much, like I said, it's, it's a light, flowy, we try and just be like sort of, Bros at a bar talking about movies. You know, we're not really trying to do major structure or anything like that. So check it out. It's a uh, we think it's a good time at least.
0: It is a good time, and if you're not into action movies but you want a crash course in one, you can do a lot worse. I promise you that. So I I would definitely get in there just because not only your knowledge, Mike, but again your two co hosts bring so much to it, and you each have very unique perspectives. So it's it's a good show and a lot of fun. And if you just want to know like what should I be watching, that's a great one to listen to. I love shows like that. So. Thanks again for coming on Filmstrip. Folks, as always, you can follow the show's social media at Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There you'll find announcements about upcoming shows. I'll link to our Letter to Box page. that has our entire list of reviews, 300-plus reviews in our archives. There's something for everyone there. Go to FilmstripPodcast.com, and you'll link to our anchor distribution site where you can find us on the platform of your choice, Apple, Spotify, Google, all those places, those places let you rate us. Please give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. We appreciate the support and share the so- show on your socials as well, because it helps spread the word. Thank you once again for being a part of this ride and Mike and Lizzie. Thanks for joining me. Once again, we'll see you next time on Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to film